chapter 3 last week. So uh, the setting was uh, Adam and Eve, had uh, they were in the garden, and uh, they had the very simple rule of not eating uh, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, we learned a lot more, uh, if, if you're new to, new to the faith, I uh, learned a lot more about our sin nature. Our sin nature wants to do the opposite of what we're supposed to do. You know, think about it as a kid. How many times were you told, do not take cookies out of that jar? What was the, like, the main temptation from that, uh, on that day, from that point on was, I need those cookies. Or whatever it is, it's just our—it's our sin nature. It's our—it's our personal uh, nature. So uh, we learn a little bit more about that, where we can look back and go, Adam and Eve—they oh, messed up so bad. Look at the world now because of them. We would have done the same thing. We would have done the same thing because what we saw was the enemy presented to them um, uh, three things: the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And when, uh, when Satan presented Eve with those things that, hey, this looks good, right? It looks good. Oh, and it'll, it'll change. You, you can just eat this and, and then you're going to be blessed by it. And God's just telling you not to eat it because when he knows that once you eat of it, your eyes are going to be open and, and you're going to be like God, that pride of life. You're going to be like him. So, oh, well, being deceived, they thought, well, how could being like God be a bad thing? We don't disobey God to think that we're going to be more, you know, conformed more into him, his image. Uh, it doesn't work out, does it? The same with our parents. You know, if our parents were growing up and they said, don't do this and we do it, we can't come home, you know, when they, when they come home. We know that when you got caught doing whatever you're told not to do, that you're going to face some punishment. And uh, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, I can't wait till they get home, you know, because I, I sinned and I did exactly what they told me not to do. You know, so we, we learn more about our, our sin nature and where it came from. So Adam and Eve had sinned, and, and unfortunately, that paradise that they were living in, in, in the Garden of Eden that we learned from Peter's writing, that that, that garden has been destroyed uh, when the flood, uh, through the flood. So, uh, but they were in that, that paradise. They had everything they wanted. They could eat of, of all the uh, – there was, there was the tree that they were supposed to not touch. Um, and, uh, but everything else they could. And the question will come like, well, well, then why would God put a tree there if he knew that they would, because there has to be a choice in our lives. We have, otherwise it, it, he's just been forced upon us. We don't have a choice to follow God or not with that choice. They chose to not, uh, to not obey the Lord. And then we see the fallen state that, that this world is in and mankind is in right now. So Adam and Eve sinned and they were expelled from the garden and, and then we see that the tree of life, uh, to protect them from getting to that tree of life and being able to eat and experience everlasting life, uh, that God put an angel there to protect and that, that there, were, there was a sword that, that, that would protect it. And um, we could look at that in, in, as, as God trying to keep them from getting to something where they, they might now, now that they were told that they were going, that their souls were dying, that they, uh, they would uh, you know, eat that and they would, uh, they would somehow be forgiven. That's not, that wasn't the case. That tree, they needed to be protected from that tree because if they ate of that, who would want to live in this world forever? You know, just, just look around, just pick up your, your phone and, and, and go on to whatever news channel you go on to. And all you're going to see is heartbreak and, and just the, the awfulness of this world. I mean, you may see some great things that are inspiring, but the news makes its money on bad things. You know, just if you don't believe me, turn on the news, which usually at the end is the feel good story. And it's like, hey, nobody else is watching. So you don't put a three minute thing about puppies in there or whatever, you know. Um, but usually it's shock and awe because they want people to be watching. And, and it's because it's those bad things. But uh, so the Lord was protecting them uh, from that, that tree of, of life. And we read and we know that in Genesis, uh, sorry, in Revelation, we can see a tree of life that we will be able to eat from when we're in the presence of our Father. So they've been expelled from the, uh, from the garden, and uh, now they're living life outside of the paradise that they were living in, where they would be with the Lord, and he'd come in the cool of the day, and he'd talk with them and everything. Until that point, they just enjoyed being uh, in in. Uh, company with the Lord. And then uh, when God came, then they knew that they were naked and they were hiding. And God said, where are you? And and we talked about how sad you know, that question is. The Lord knew physically where they were, but he was, it was that, that proclamation of where are you? 
What, what have you done? Why, why are you hiding from me? And we see the broken heart of the Lord crying out. So now they're outside of paradise. And can you imagine, we don't know how much time has elapsed from chapter 3 to chapter 4, but there was long enough for, uh, as we see, uh, for uh, Cain and Abel to, to get old enough where you know, they've got some responsibilities and everything. Uh, some say that it might have even been 130 years. So it might have been some uh, a longer period of time than uh, what uh, we may uh, expect. <clears throat> So there, think of the depression that might set in of, I miss the garden. Because when they were cast out, the Lord said, now when you want food, you're going to have to till the ground. And from the sweat of your brow, blood, sweat, tears type situation, the, the, the ground isn't going to give way to you easily. And uh, you're going to have to work for everything when they had everything there. You think there might be some regret? I don't, I don't know about any of you guys. Uh, I know in my life there's been, there have been points of great regret. And when you get to that point and you look back and there's like, there's, I can't go back and change that. Can't go back and change it. But the Lord is so faithful and says, no, you can't change that, but you can grow from it. You know, that what is done is done, but you can grow from it and you can be a different person in him. And, uh, you know, they're cast out. And uh, at this point, they have no hope. And they're remembering what they had and, uh, you know, thinking about what they had done. And, and you know, just walking down the they don't really have a road, but maybe they had a path, and he's just kicking a rock going, we had it so good. We had it so good. So that's uh, that's the last thing that we studied. So moving into Genesis chapter 4, uh, verse 1, we see, says, uh, Now Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. And she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. So when it's saying new there, it's new carnally. It produced a wife uh, through sexual relations with his wife. Uh, and uh, they have two sons. And it's uh, Cain and Abel. Now, <clears throat> the name of uh, Cain would be possession or here he is. the one, that, And he's a tiller of the ground. And uh, Eve might have thought, now if you look back at Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, when the Lord spoke to the serpent, talked to Adam, and talked to Eve, uh, and they all got their sentences, the Lord declared that there would be one that came that would crush the head of the, uh, of the serpent. One would, that serpent would bruise his heel, a non-mortal wound, but that he would crush that serpent's head. And uh, we know that Satan and that uh, Jesus' work on the cross crushed the work of Satan and uh, that we no longer have to fear hell and death because of what Jesus did. There's no great thing we have to do. There's no mountain spiritually we need to climb. We don't have to do all these things. It's a, a basic faith in Christ. We place our faith in him and we start walking with him that we're, we're now saved. When we've made that profession, I'm a sinner and I, I need a savior. We come to that point. Uh, and from Genesis chapter 3, verse uh, 15, it might be that Eve thought that, well, well, maybe maybe Cain is, the, is that. So she says, well, well, here he is, or he's, he's the one that we have, the possession that we have. And then Abel, um, Abel's name is, is kind of funny because it can be, also, it can be translated as empty or, or just like a breath. Or, or something like that, but he was a keeper of sheep. But when, when you look at those things and then you see what ends up happening is their, their, uh, their, their hearts toward the Lord are very much opposite from what their names are. So uh, what we can probably gather from Eve is that she may have thought, well, maybe this is the one that God said was going to come and was going to crush the, the head of the serpent. I, as we go through this and uh, we're we're studying through that you know after the fall um, uh, they're they're working hard they're going through everything and we see that one is a tiller of the ground and one is taking care of sheep and it's important that we can see here they each had a a, a role of responsibility uh, you know I I know that I'm one of five children and uh, I had my uh, my I was number four of five. And uh, I had my duties around the house, and it was usually whatever my mom just told me to do. I wasn't going to be like, that's not my job. It, it was whatever mom said to do. She was four, she, my mom is about four foot 11, a brown belt karate, and whatever she said went, you know. Uh, and she was raising you know, the five of us. And uh, we just we knew not to give her grief. And uh, I, I knew that whatever job I had, but it's important for us to realize that even the first two born had jobs to do. One was a shepherd, one was a tiller of the ground. 
So we, we see the, the characters for uh, what we're reading here, uh, the, uh, the, the subjects, I should say, uh, of, our, of our study here. Genesis chapter 4, verse 3 says, And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the first, firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel for his offering, but he did not respect Cain for his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not well, do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. So going back up to verse 3, it says, In the process of time. We don't know how much time has passed, but there's time that has passed. When we read in here, we, we might come to the point where we're like, oh, Cain and Abel were born and they're little babies. Uh, but there, there's, there are time spans that we don't, we don't see here. We just have to look at, okay, over some time, uh, it, what ends up happening is uh, as they're, they're, they have their duties and everything, they're serving the Lord in uh, whatever thing that they were called to do. And uh, what we see is that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground and Abel brought a, uh, the firstborn of the flock and the fat. So what we see is uh, these are the first offerings that, are, that we can see of worship that are offered to the Lord in uh, what we see in the scripture here uh, from Cain and Abel. And uh, what we understand, what we must understand about offerings is that they are a sacrifice. It's, it cost us something. Uh, that that it's the Lord isn't, and what we're going to see here, the Lord isn't looking for. Hey, you know, I I, I really feel like the Lord is is uh, calling me to serve Him in a, in a deeper way. So what I'm really going to do is, after I've done everything else, you know, if I've got if I've got ten minutes left, I might go do something uh, for Him, and I might go bless somebody, I might go you know clean up their trash or whatever it is. But I want to take care of what I need to do first. What it means is when there's an offering or sacrifice, it, it means that it cost us something. And uh, that, that we took something that was precious to us. Maybe it was just our time, our talents, or whatever it is. And we, we gave that to the Lord. Uh, and we give, give him our, our, uh, the best of what we have ra rather than the scraps of what we have. So uh, what we see here is that these two brought uh, two gifts. And um, as we're reading, uh, we see that the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he didn't respect uh, Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So uh, before we get too far into this, and, and uh, you, you know that I like to get you know three pages ahead in my notes, and then I'll come back and go, wait a minute, I already talked about that. I'm going to stick to what we have because the Lord put these on my, on my heart in an order uh, that I, I believe he wants me to speak, uh, speak uh, through. So Abel's offering was respected. And what that means is that, that the Lord had regard for it or looked on favor uh, in favor on it. And Cain's was not. And based on God's, uh, God's response to Cain, because when we, if you just read this out of context, you might be like, well, what is God doing? Why would he do this and embarrass the other one? And, but you, we, context is important, right? Anybody who's, who's ever been led astray by something where you have partial context, and then you hear the, the whole story. Now, I, I know I've used this example already, but usually when we know we might be in trouble or something, we're going to spin a context. Uh, we'll give like half truth, right? And, you know, we'll come in and we'll say uh, to a, a parent, uh, we're growing up or whatever it might be. We're going to put it in the, the greatest context we can. And then when the rest of the story comes along, the parents will look at us and go, or if you are parents and you've seen this from your kids, you know, go, Okay, what's the rest of the story, right? You've heard there's always two sides to every story. We need to have proper context. Look at the news. You can see something in the news and go, that's awful or that's great. And then you see the, the other side of that story and the other side hasn't been shared. And when you have the whole context, then we can come to a, a specific conclusion. But what we see here, if you're just reading and, and you just get to that verse where it says that, that, that Cain's offering was accepted and, and Ab uh, that Abel's offering was accepted and Cain's wasn't, we might sit here and go, well, well, is God just playing games? Context is very important. We need to read through the whole thing to understand it. So uh, Cain's was not accepted, but based on God's, uh, God's response in verse 7, we can assume some things and that that maybe Cain wasn't giving the best of his, you know the when we look at at uh, offerings as they're established in the scripture it's of the first fruit it's the that that first that the 
uh, as as things come uh, to to fruition, whatever it might be, apple tree or you know whatever it is, if someone's going to give that to the Lord, it would be the first fruit. Hey, Lord, this is the best. This is what we've been waiting for. I'm going to offer it to you. Now, today in that offering, it might be taking that that those those fruits or whatever it is and taking them to give them away to somebody or whatever, where you just say, Lord, I'm not going to make money on these. I'm going to give them away. I'm going to serve you with them uh, for, for more of a, a modern day context. But uh, as we're, as we're seeing here, there's something that's off and uh, it, it, maybe he's not offering what he should have, or maybe he was just giving what was left over. What we know here is that the Lord is, is cautioning uh, Cain as, as we read here. So there's a lesson here for us that, that you know, God doesn't want our leftovers. Uh, he, he wants us to, to serve him. And, and when we serve him, we should serve him uh, with, with the best of our ability. Um, I, I stumbled through, tried to sing through four songs here and whatever. I'm going to give that whatever I have to the Lord. But if I'm if I'm of the mindset where, you know what, if, if, if I was blessed with you know, some Grammy uh, artist uh, voice and and, uh, and if I'm using that and I'm like, yeah, well, I won't sing like that at church because I might I might hurt my voice, uh, but I'll, I'll do it on TV or I'll do it for an album. But I don't want to. So that that's holding back the gift that God has given us. You see, so looking through here, we, we don't know what it is, but what, when this unfolds, we see that that uh, when we look at Cain and Abel, we see that that one bore the the spiritual fruits of their lives, the fruit of God, and the other one uh, bore the spiritual fruits of, of the devil. And, and we're, we have an in-depth study to do on this, so uh, as we continue through, uh, we'll come to that conclusion. So uh, what we can look at, and, and one thing that we're going to see as we're, we look at some cross, some other references, uh, and we we put this whole thing together, is it's not necessarily the content of what is given, where oh hey this apple or or whatever, but it's the heart that's behind it. Because uh, you know what, I just realized I prayed that you know we don't we don't pass around a basket to make anybody feel compelled. Uh, if if we we know that as as believers the Lord blesses us and and that He does call us to to give back to Him, but I don't want anybody to be like oh, oh you know I don't I don't want anybody to give because they feel compelled to. Uh, that's that's between you and the Lord. Uh, so what? But it's it's that heart behind whatever is being given to the Lord. Don't give me this is this is not a uh, and we'll eventually get to this point in, in the scripture as we study through that we get to, uh, you know, giving a monetary gift to the Lord. And I can tell you right now, it's the last thing I want to talk to talk about uh, as a church and as a pastor here, because I, if you know, if you, anybody who knows me, we've been here for 20 years. Uh, if it, we're in a warehouse. You know, we're we're not. This church hasn't been built uh, to to take money from people so that there a kingdom can be uh, can be built. Absolutely not. You know, and any any pastor that's that's leading a ministry that would that would uh, strive to take money from people so that they can line their own pockets, uh, it's not the way that it's supposed to be. When someone gives that sacrifice, we're talking about sacrifice here. And when somebody gives, it's my job as the pastor here to make sure that I am a good steward of that. And I say, you know what? We need to pay our bills. We need to make sure that we have a roof over our heads. And we need to make sure that we have water out front. And some of these basic things that we need around here, that's that's my job. That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be the steward of that. You know, and when so when we give, uh, when when there's that heart, that that obedient heart. That gift, that that offering, is is a precious thing, and it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Uh, and unfortunately, we've seen it in the news where somebody uh, is taking advantage of their church, and they're out, they're driving, you know, fancy cars, and they're buying the third house and all these things. I don't want to answer for that. No way, no way. God blesses us that way. We're gonna go. Okay, maybe we build a building, but what ministry are we gonna start wherever that's gonna continue to minister? Yeah, I'm nope. Billy Graham, I, I think it was fifty or sixty thousand dollars capped off. His 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 ministry brought in millions upon millions, and he used it to minister to people, and that's the way it should be. Not to build a kingdom to their sel- themselves. So I'll get off my soapbox, and we'll continue here. But we see here, uh, Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So we see his anger leads. Uh, if you're familiar with the story, Cain's anger leads to violence. We talked about. 
being in Psalm 4, just a couple weeks ago, uh, we talked about a godly anger. It's opposite. This is opposite of a godly anger. It is. There are appropriate times for us to be angry. When you see something, uh, something happens to a family member. We see like when you hear somebody, I don't know, abused a dog or something, and you, you're like, why? It's a puppy. You know. You know. You see those things that that inside you just you just get angry about those things. There there is a righteous anger, but what we see here from uh, from uh, Cain is that it's not a righteous anger. So uh, the Lord is addressing his anger here. Psalm 4, verses 4 and 5 says, Be angry and do not sin. We can be angry, but do not sin. And I'm going to kind of move through that kind of fast because we spend a whole uh, a whole session and uh, in, in study that whole chapter. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Now, when we're angry, we want to do the opposite thing, right? I don't know about you guys, but uh, I remember as a kid, you get sent to your room, and the last thing I want to do is meditate and be still. I want to take whatever baseball bat and put it through the wall, right? <laughs> you know, that's, I'm angry about whatever it is, and I'm mad at mom or dad, or, and, and I'm going to follow that anger. I watched, uh, I loved one of mine in his anger, punch a wall, and boxer's fracture in his hand. <laughs> We're going to lose, <laughs> right? There's just going to be destruction, and you're going to look and go, ah. You know, so there is a godly anger, but be angry and do not sin. Meditate in your heart on your bed and be still. And then it says Selah. I usually wouldn't read that, but that Selah means pause. It's, it's, it's in there. After the sacrifice, it says, offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. So, yes, it's okay to be angry at certain times. There are things to be angry about. But what we as Christians are to do is to put ourselves in a quiet place and meditate. Just pray to the Lord. Now, when I say meditate, I'm not saying do the, the Eastern mysticism own thing. Okay? It's get quiet. What it says here to lay on our bed quietly and be still. And just say, Lord, you know the rage that's going on in my heart right now. I, I am angry. I don't want to sin. I, I, I just need you to help me and take this from me. And he will. He will. When I say meditate, grab his word and just start reading. Just grab his word and start. I, and, and what I encourage you to do is hopefully we have a daily routine where we're reading it. Pick up where you left off. If not, I, I just encourage you not to just grab the Bible and start flipping through it. And you get to some, you might get to you know, some genealogy. And, and you start hearing about this guy. We got this, this guy and this guy. You're going to get to there and be like, what does this even mean? You know, pray, Lord, would you please speak to my heart? And if you're not in regular, uh, re if you're not regularly reading the scripture, start tonight. You know, before you go to bed, put your phone away, take 10 minutes and just start reading. You know, if you need a, a start, uh, a spot to start, pick one of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, start reading through that. And then you can go through all of them if you started in Matthew, or you can skip right to Acts and then go through and just read or just keep reading from here, whatever it is. But go to the Word and meditate on the Word, and, and uh, we're, the Lord's not going to lead us astray. So at first glimpse, glimpse, glimpse uh, in a first glance at this, uh, it may seem unfair. It seems that both of them brought a respected uh, offering from their responsibilities, and uh, we've we've talked about the proper context. And as we as the story unfolds further, we're going to see it wasn't what was given, but the, but with the heart. And I've already talked about a little bit, but the heart behind the gift was what was happening here, what the Lord is getting to. Because remember the warning that the Lord had for him, and he he says, if you if you do good, I got to go back and and uh, he the Lord says. Why are you angry? Why is your countenance falling? If you do well, uh, will you will you not be accepted? Will you not be accepted? If you do if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule you should rule over it. So important things uh, as we go through here to understand uh, that uh, it's the heart that's given. Because First Samuel sixteen seven says that the Lord looks at our hearts. Man looks at the outside, but God looks at our hearts. Hebrews 11, so another glimpse into a little bit more of what we're looking at. Hebrews 11:4 says, By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it 
he being dead still speaks. So we can still learn from Abel's gift. Even though Gable, uh, Gable, um, uh, even though Abel is, he was killed. You know, as we get in here, I, I don't know if anybody's unfamiliar with the story. Abel's killed. Okay, so Abel gets killed. Later on, we see that that Cain forsakes the uh, the the the. Uh, the guidance he gets from the Lord and he first, he just shuts the Lord out and kills his brother. Spoiler. I know. Uh, it's like, so from the beginning of the book, but what we see here is that when Abel gave his, his gift, Hebrews eleven four, which I think was up there and says by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice. Hebrews eleven six says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. God, for he who comes to God must also believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Why would we not want to diligently seek the one that created us? Think about it. If we create something and whatever we created wants nothing to do with us, that's heartbreaking. You know, whatever it is, you know, if we were, if we were to be able to, to create something and give it life and it's like, yeah, whatever, I'm not going to follow you. I'm going to go do, it's heartbreaking to think of that. And that's what we, we as mankind have done. So what we have here, when we look at the evidence presented to us in Hebrews 11, verses 4 and 6, it says, by faith and without faith, uh, it's impossible to please, please God. We can look at the evidence presented and conclude that Cain did not have a proper relationship with God while Abel did. And we'll look into that even further. Verse 6, uh, it says, so the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, and I know I've already read this, if you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Sin lies at the door, its desire is for you, to consume you. Sin's desires to consume us, but you should rule over it. This is the Lord speaking to Cain. So God is warning Cain of sin. And he addresses it. A good father will warn and address sin. And what think think of the hot stove, right? What parent is not going to tell your child, you see that red hot thing right there? They're going to go, hey, go, go ahead and touch it. See what happens. You know, and I've talked about this before, and I use the same analogy. I'm awful at analogies, so I'm sorry that I'm recycling this one. But uh, I, that, that, whoa, you know, you show a kid, wow, ow, that hurt. They're going to, whoa. I remember my kids would... They, we'd, we'd make that sound and my kids would go hot, hot and they wouldn't even get through. You know, we didn't want them taking a fork or a knife and, and shoving it into uh, the uh, outlet. You know, there's certain things that you sometimes as parents need to get very aggressive, whack, smack their hand. No, they're going to get that point, right? You got their attention now. You've, you've hurt their hand and probably broken that precious little heart in there, but you did it with the right intention to protect that child. The Lord is doing the same to Cain. And he's saying, there's something wrong with your heart here. And the Lord's trying to get through to Cain. And he's telling him, telling him, if you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, then sin lies at your door. And it's trying to kill you, is what the Lord's saying. here. That's, that's the implication here. Because when we look to the, there's something in the scripture called expositional constancy. And it's very important to understand that, that sin, sin doesn't change. Sin is disobedience. When we know the right thing to do and we disobey that, that's, that's what sin is. Okay. So we can sin against, you know, I can sin against my wife. You know, if I'm unfaithful to her, I've sinned against my wife and I've also sinned against the Lord. Okay. That unfaithfulness, that I was told not to do this and I still did it. That is sin. When we know what is what is right, we don't do it. So God is warning Cain of the sin uh, that's the, uh, that's that's presenting itself here and the danger it poses to him. But the Lord says, "But you should rule over it. But you should rule over it." That's an important thing for us as Christians to understand. We don't have to live a life of a defeat of defeat in our lives. We can claim victory in Christ. And just go to him when we in those times of, of temptation, whatever the temptation is, whether it's lust, whether it's uh, drugs, alcohol, whatever it is in that time, God is all Jesus Christ is all sufficient. He's everything that we need. And we can go to him and go, I am extremely weak right now. I need you. And we can go to him. But that sin can be ruled over. We can't say it's too strong for me. 
it may be strong. But we, we're going to look at some verses here uh, that, that remind us uh, that we can go to the Lord. But the Lord said that it can be ruled over. Instead of sin ruling our lives, which often is the case. I remember I was just having a, a conversation with Mark, and, and he's talking about some people that he knows and loves in his life, and just the heartbreak he has of knowing the defeat that they, they're, they're, they're uh, experiencing in their life, and his heart for them to be freed of it. Because he's a Christian and he's been freed. And it, it, when we've experienced that freedom and understand how important it is, the Lord is trying. He's looking at, at, at Cain and saying, sin is lying at your door and it wants to kill you. It want, its desire is for you. It wants to take over your life, but you should rule over it. We look at our world right now and it's not, it's, we don't have to look very far to understand that sin is running rampant in this world. You know, sin, sin rules not only in the world, but look at the church. You know, if we, want to, if, if we would want to see revival, it has to start in those that are walking into church on Sunday morning or coming to church on a Wednesday night or whatever it is, that that revival would happen on our own hearts and that it would spread through the love of Christ flowing through our own lives. That's how revival happens. We don't make a plan and put up the, the tent and say, there's a revival happening. Okay, what if nobody shows up? Okay, the revival, <laughs> nosedive, so much for the revival. It's a revival, but that's just what it is. So sin's desire um, uh, to rule over us, uh, it, 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 it so easily happens, and we see it. sin is celebrated, and especially in this culture. It's celebrated. I just remember the, uh, I, uh, it, growing up in the 90s, I, I loved hip-hop music. Absolutely loved it. And I, it was just, I uh, just listening to it and I'm listening to, uh, whatever rapper has to say. And, or, or then I go and, you know, I grew up in, in my house, uh, with my, uh, my brother and my oldest brother and sister, and they've got Metallica blasting and I'm okay. You know, and they've got some songs about shooting people, gunning them down with a Tommy gun. Okay. I'm like, okay, that's a, that's a positive song, you know, all those things. But you know, what we see is, is that the, the culture of, of partying and drinking is being celebrated. Sexual promiscuity, addiction is, 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 is almost presented as cool. Hey, I, guys, I work at a college. You guys know this. And it, it, drinking is, is like the thing to do. And it's, it's celebrated. And it's, it's so important to everybody. But what we see, you know, when you're, when you're, did you guys hear? I just had a friend of mine. Um, the, the, what I'm getting to is the end result of drugs and alcohol. Um, a friend of mine that I was over in Italy with from 99 to uh, 2001, he uh, texts me from Wisconsin, and he's like, hey, just saw Bangor, Maine on the news this week. I'm like, why? He's like, you guys have a tent city. <laughs> you know, he's talking about how the tent city of, of, of uh, the homeless community in Bangor has grown to be such a problem in Bangor that it's, it's, it's national news. And I'm like, uh, I just did the, the hand on head thing. And I'm like, just what we want to be known for in Bangor is that we have a, a huge drug and alcohol problem that's gotten so out of control that there's so many help, uh, homeless people that they're living in tents. And the whole area is just full of needles and just full of trash and, and violence and all these things. And I get a buddy, a buddy texting me from Wisconsin. Hey, heard about Bang. He's just kind of ribbing me and teasing me, but it's sad. You know, he's a believer. He loves the Lord. But, you know, uh, vulgar language. Uh, hey, you know what? I, mean? I can walk around with this T-shirt on. And, you know, all these things, these sins are being are being magnified. But it's illegal for us, for, you know, somebody to be praying. You know, think of the football. Uh, I think it was in uh, uh, Washington. I know there was a, a football coach that, that, that lost his job. Uh, because they'd pray before the game or after the game, uh, you know, those things. And I've seen other other people, you know, losing jobs because of just, look, I, I, I get it. I don't want to walk around. I don't want to grab my neighbor and force them into a prayer. They're just going to, like, they're going to say whatever I want to get the crazy guy out of there. I don't want that. I want my neighbor to experience Jesus Christ working in and through my life. I'm not Jesus, but I want somebody to look at my life and see there's something different about that guy and that I can tell them, yeah, Jesus Christ changed me. Because if you knew me in the 90s, you wouldn't want to know me. I'm not the guy that you'd want hanging out with your with your kids. You know, that's, that's just not the deal. You know, that our, our culture celebrates lawlessness. 
It's so it's it's like it, you're more accepted if you do. How many times have we heard? And you know, you don't. Uh, if somebody tells you to, uh, I don't. You probably heard your parents. Well, well, so and so did it. Why did you do this? Because so and so did it. Well, if they told you to jump off a bridge, would you do it? You know those things. Christians are called to go the other direction, right? I'm seeing some laughing here because it probably happened in conversations, right, with us, right? But Christians, we're supposed to be like salmon swimming against the current, swimming the other way. You know, I know Will, uh, our, that was our pastor here for 20 years. He said it here. Oh, you're going to be a rebel just like everybody else and do the same thing they're doing, right? It's not hard to rebel and go the wrong way because that's where everybody else is going. What the hard thing is is to make a stand, especially our youth, to make a stand and say, I understand what this culture says is popular, but I know what the scripture says to me, and I'm going to do what God says. I'm going to obey God's command over man's word, right? That's where the true life is for us. Sin lies right there, and God is trying to warn uh, to, to warn Cain, you don't want what's on the other side of that door. You don't want it. And, and what we see here is, is that Cain is still, uh, he, he rejects that. Now, when God asks him why he's angry and his countenance has fallen, you know, the Lord is caring for Cain. He's showing Cain that he cares about his heart and he's speaking to him in the midst of his struggle. And he doesn't want Cain to be uh, downcast. And uh, the Lord does the same for us. You know, the Lord ministers to us. He knows us. He loves us. And he'll speak to our hearts. And uh, we, we don't want to, obviously, we don't want to follow the example of Cain and become murderers. But we also don't want to follow the example of Cain of rejecting the word of God. You know, this this Bible, it is a supernatural book. That doesn't mean it's like we're going to go and start, you know, hocus pocus, you know, casting spells or anything. This book will change our lives if we look at it and we read it in faith and we go to the Lord. So God gets to the heart of the matter and when he says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? Do you remember um, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 15? When Samuel is addressing Saul's re rebellion and rejection of the Lord. And Samuel said to him, has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings? Because what, what Saul, Saul says, yeah, we're, we're, we're uh, making offerings to the Lord. We're just, we're just serving the Lord here. And he's like, and he says, has the, the Lord uh, as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed better than the fat of rams. It's better to just obey. You got you guys have probably heard it in the workplace, right? Hey, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do this first and ask questions later, right? That's not how we're supposed to approach our faith and our and our relationship with the Lord. We're supposed to go. Wait a minute. The Lord said this. I'm just gonna follow that. And that takes us sacrificing our will to the Lord and saying, God. My own sinful flesh wants to do this, but you've shown me in your word where this shows me it's going to be wrong for me, and it's going to lead to my destruction. And I'm going to share another uh, few verses uh, here with you in just a moment. But it's important to understand to obey is the better than the sacrifice. God doesn't want people lining up well, ready to sacrifice. Animals. He'd rather just be, there be obedience. And what we see here is that that sacrifice is no longer needed because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. But what we see as we're studying here is that it is it's better to obey than to sacrifice. Is that just understand and like imprint that in our minds and, and in our in our hearts? It needs to be there. So then the Lord continues in verse seven. He says, "And if if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for is for you, but you should rule over it." So sin lies at the door. I know I've repeated that several times. It's very important for us to understand. Uh, the, the Lord. Like I said, he laid all of this very uh, clearly and in a specific order in my heart for, for me to share, and I'm, I'm going to do what he tells me to. James chapter 1, verses 13 through 16 are probably up there. They are. James is saying this. He's saying, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be, temp uh, be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Do we see the truth of what's happening right there in the, what we're reading? 
We do. The Lord is saying, sin lies at the door. Its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Sin wants to destroy your life. When we combine what's happening here, and you look into James chapter 1, verses 13 through 16, and you have a proper understanding of what the Lord is warning uh, Cain about. That sin, when, it's, when it, it comes into your heart, when there's that desire, and, and, and it entices us to do whatever it is, then we've done that thing, and then it brings forth, uh, uh, brings, gives birth to sin, and sin's desire, it, it, what sin does, the end result of sin is death. Might be physical, might be spiritual. It always leads to something bad. It always does. Sin, sin always presents itself. It's never like, "Hi, I'm here to destroy your life," right? It's always something. Hey, this is what you need in your life. That girl, that guy, that's what you need in your life. I know God is telling me not to participate in, you know, this. And my, hey, my friend's got pot or, you know, whatever it is, you know, hey, this guy at work, he's stealing this stuff. I could do it too. And I could, I could pocket some cash. Saw some people get kicked out of the military for doing some stupid stuff like that. Not what I want in my discharge paperwork. It's, it's, it's stupid stuff that, that, that the sin is always going to result, uh, have a bad result for us. Sin is nothing to be trifled with. We shouldn't look on it uh, and, and consider sin to be something that's trivial. It's, it's, it's very important to understand that sin should be avoided at all costs. You guys remember Joseph? Remember Joseph when he's in, he's a slave in Potiphar's house. And uh, Potiphar's a eunuch. Can't give uh, the, the proper affection to his wife that, that she wants and needs. And, and so she's trying to sleep with one of the slaves in the house. And she's trying to corner Joseph. And he knows he doesn't want to sin against the Lord and he doesn't want to sin against his master. Cost him his life. And when she grabs a hold of his jacket, what does he do? Slips out of that jacket and gone. Right? And she's left with the jacket. That We should have that approach to sin. I remember when I was a kid, my brother and uh, one of our friends that we grew up with, there's this old, and I uh, forgive me, I know I've shared it before, but we had this old like broken down mansion, scary movie looking thing, like bricks are all broken, all the windows are broken out, it's all dark in there, and I'm probably, I don't know, fifth, sixth grade, and uh, they're trying to get me to go in there with them, like, come on, come on, you know, we heard it's haunted, let's just go in, and I'm the youngest, the smallest and the scaredest, you know, and they're trying to get me. And I've done that before sweatshirt or whatever. And my brother or, or the friend, I think it would have been my brother because my friend wouldn't have done it. My brother would have beat him up because he's the only one that could beat me up. Right. Um, so grabs a hold of whatever it was and I slipped out of it and I've never ran so fast in my life. Have that same approach to sin because whatever that scariness was, sin is worse off for us. Okay. Whatever was in that house is probably not going to hurt me at all. It probably, I don't even think it was haunted or whatever. I might have stepped on a rusty nail, you know, whatever it is. Have that approach to sin that we're not playing around with it, not toying around with it. Consider sin absolutely deadly, absolutely deadly. That's because it is. So when the Lord says sin is, uh, sin is at the door and its desire is for you, it wants to take over your life, wants to consume your life and destroy your life. But you should rule over it means we have a choice. We have a choice. When we're presented with sin, we have a choice. Are we going to obey God or are we going to obey my own flesh and my sinful desires and what I want? We are always going to benefit if we obey the Lord. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, take every thought into captivity and take every thought captive into the obedience of Christ. Every thought. Wait a minute, is this from the Lord? Now, okay, do I eat a cheeseburger or do I eat a hamburger? That's not what this is talking about. It's, it's talking about those things that are coming to our minds, what we should guard our, our minds about uh, and our guard our minds from. Uh, it, we need to uh, bring things into obedience of Christ. Or take it captive, think about it, and go, wait a minute, what does the Scripture say? I'm going to obey this. The Christianity we're called to to, to follow, it, it, we're called to, to live, to, the life we're called to live. I told I told Shane before this, I couldn't spit out a sentence out there, and I, my brain is just not working tonight. The life we are called to live um, is it, it. It should be one uh, that we're not being tossed, like uh, that we're established in the Lord. 
that we're not wave, we're not like a, a wave of the sea going left, right? We're we're so unsettled. We should be established, standing on the rock of Christ, and saying, "I was in the muck. I was in that miry clay. God has pulled me out, and I stand firmly on Him, and He is my strength. And when I uh, when I see sin, I can overcome that because Christ is is my strength." Romans six sixteen says this: "Do you not know that?" To whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether sin of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. Paul writes that in, in Romans 6, 16. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this, No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation will also wake, make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So when, when we are tempted, we see something there. So you guys heard the expression, God's never going to give you something that you can't handle. No, God is going to give you something you cannot handle. Moses couldn't part the Red Sea. God will give, give us a command. You know, when, when we're told to do something, God wants to do that. And when he says something and we obey him, God's going to do something that we, we cannot do. God loves to give us things that we can't handle because it show, in our weakness, he is strong, right? What the, the proper context of that is no temptation is seen a man except which is common. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with uh, temptation will also make a way of escape. The Friday night studies that we have here for addiction recovery is called the way of escape. That's the, that's the name of it. Usually I'll have a, a t-shirt on or sweatshirt or whatever uh, to support the group and everything. But the Friday night addiction recovery meeting is uh, the, the group is called way of escape. So they get here and they do the way of escape meeting to talk about how do we deal with a temptation that, that so easily ensnared us, that sin that so easily ensnared us and took over our lives. How do we deal with that? Let's get together and let's talk about how when we follow that sin, what it did to our lives. And let's talk about how we uh, together and walking with the Lord can encourage each other to stay away from all that. I'm not going to share all the verses with you here because I have like 15 of them and we're going to run out of time if I, um, but I wanted to share with you Galatians chapter five, uh, verses 16 and 17 says walk. So what is an opposite of walking in sin? Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the lust, uh, the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things which you wish. And then if you skip down, there's a whole list of things there in verse 19 where it's talking about lewdness, uh, jealousies, outbursts of wrath. We talked about those things, drunkenness, revelries, parties, murders. And that's what we're getting into here. Uh, and in verse 24, it says, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires and will live in the spirit uh, and if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. So when God says that you should rule over that sin, we can do that. There's, there's nothing here that we can't overcome. That's what the scripture says. Some of us may struggle so much harder with X, Y, or Z, whatever it is, than dive that, hard, that much harder into the scripture and that much harder into prayer and separating ourselves from it. Run from it physically if you need to. You know, if it's something on your computer, rip your computer out of your house. Don't have that as a temptation anymore. Whatever it is, remove that from our lives if we need to. Take take drastic measures. What did the Lord say? When, when the Lord's saying, hey, if your, sin, if your hand caused you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. Didn't want everybody walking around with one hand or gouging our eyeballs out. He's talking about the serious, how sin uh, can just take over our lives and ruin our lives and how serious we should be about opposing sin and, and drawing near to God. Genesis chapter 4, uh, verses 8 through 10 is what we're going to read now. We'll read verse 8, sorry. Now Cain talked, so he's given this great warning and uh, the Lord speaks greatly to him and speaks straight, directly to his heart. Verse 8, we see his response. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. The Lord warned him to reject the sin that was at his door. 
because it was an anger that was not righteous. We've talked about that, that righteous anger. This was an anger to inflict pain and, and to commit murder against his brother. And we see that he does, that he did here. I, I found an interesting note that I wanted to share, uh, share with you. The Samaritan Pentateuch, the Samaritan version of the five, uh, first five uh, books of the Bible, uh, include a line that says that, that Cain would have said to his brother, let us go out to the field. So that he set his brother up. We know that he, came, he went out there with the intention to kill his brother. Just wanted to share that part. So what we see here is a premeditated murder. We don't, you know, Cain, what we see is the first, the firstborn was, was uh, were Cain and Abel. Um, it was Cain, and then we see that that Abel was listed there. We don't know, you know, how many came uh, in between or or after or anything. We don't know the time frame, but we know that these two these two are being discussed here, and. Cain has just disregarded what God said, and uh, the Lord rebuked him very gently, and uh, he grew jealous, and he followed his pride and his hatred and envy and committed uh, murder. He, he killed his brother. He ended up following his emotions and allowed the sin that, lied at his door, that, that was lying at his door to enter in. Even though the Lord had warned him, and he said, that sin on the, on the other side of that door of your heart, What's to destroy your life? He didn't care. I don't, I, this guy's driving me nuts. I got to kill him. And he does. He, he kills his brother. You know, for us to, re, to reject God's uh, gracious uh, word speaking to us and say, you know, I know better and I want to do what I want to do. Uh, that's always the wrong thing to do. A hundred percent of the time. I don't want me as the pastor. I don't. I'm not trying to gain control over anybody that's sitting in here. What I'm trying to do is pass along that warning, and that we would be able. To, this is a Wednesday night crowd. You know, you came with your Bible. I understand that. I don't want to give you the preaching to the, the choir feeling that we're all. Uh, you know, but I do know that I'm a sinner, and I do know that that sin does present itself to me, and I have to be active in my faith and say I'm not going to participate in that. I'm not going to allow my mind to go down that rabbit trail of, of hatred or whatever it is, and I'm going to bring that thought into captivity and the obedience of Christ. Know that all of us, so just understand, please don't, you know, I, I don't want to blow the bark off of everybody that's like, yeah, we're right there with you, you know, not trying to make convert of, uh, converts of converts. If you are, you've already have this established, awesome. But understand, there's, there's also so much for us to learn here. So uh, reject the sin, regardless of how innocent that sin may present itself. I know that guy. You know what? Maybe if I just go start a relationship with that guy, I can invite him to church. And then when I bring him to church, then I get saved. It's called missionary dating. It's always a bad idea, okay? Uh, because what's usually going to happen is we're trying that, – that, that person, you think about it. Um, I, I saw this analogy uh, when I was a youth pastor years and years ago, and it was that – is it easier to pull somebody up onto something or to pull somebody down from something, right? So if we take that approach to, oh, you know, I'm just, just come up here with me, where you're probably going to get pulled down. So just be beware. So Cain commits the first murder in the history of mankind. First of many, right? How many times? It's, it's astonishing to see what's happening in Chicago. Chicago's crazy. I wouldn't, I've been there. I love Chicago. I'm a Chicago Bears fan. I've been a Chicago Bears fan for my whole life since I was seven years old. Been beat up for it too for my brother, right? So because he was supposed to get the Bears uniform and Walter Payton one, and I got the Walter Payton one instead of, you know, and, uh, so I, I got beat up because my parents messed up. So it, it's just that understanding that when we look and, and we can consider what's happening in Philadelphia, we consider what's happening in Trenton, Maine, the murders that have happened right here in the little Trenton, Maine. It's everywhere. Murder is permanent. Taking someone's life, they no longer breathe. They're, they're gone forever. It's not like you can murder somebody and go back and apologize. And be like, hey, sorry about that. Let me you know put whatever I just uh, ripped out of you, put it back in tomorrow, and, and you're going to get up and, and go. It's not going to happen. This is permanent. He takes his life. He rose up against his brother and, and kills him. Permanent consequence. 
we can learn a little bit more about Cain's heart. I know I've been uh, you know, sharing some scriptures with you. First John chapter three gives us. Uh, it, it, then we see kind of uh, the 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 last part that we needed. First John chapter three verses eleven through twelve. It says, for this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. That heart, when the Lord saw the, the heart that was, that was behind whatever was being offered, he saw the murderous heart of Cain. And and the circumstances play out, and his anger is there. And the Lord's trying to deal with the anger. And what we see is that uh, we see that he was of the wicked one. He murders his brother, and it was because his works were evil, and his brothers were righteous. Abel had a heart that he was serving the Lord. Cain did not, and it came out right in what we're reading here. Verse nine says, "Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother?'" He said to him, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said to him, what have you done? Then the voice, of, uh, the voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Murders plagued the heart of man since this time. I've already, I've already uh, taught, uh, talked about it a little bit. Will has shared the story of the kid. If you don't believe me that murder, murder is in our heart and hatred is in our heart, remember this story when Will was sharing it in the, in the nursery. And uh, he's hearing kids playing, and it sounds like there's a little bit of, you know, a ruckus in there. And he walks in there, and when he walks in, he gets there just in time when someone's got a, one of those cast iron, you know, the the uh, the Tonka trucks, the big the big ones like this. Kid has it right over his head, and he's about to bash the other kid right in the head with every intention of killing that kid. Well, whoa, grabs that. It's in us. Sin is in us. It just is. As Christians, we need to understand, yes, we, we are still sinners, saved by grace, and God is changing us and in, in, in molding us more into his image. Don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. When, when uh, we fail, the Lord is there to forgive us and to, and to restore us and bring us back up. When we get here, what we see here is the Lord asking, where is your brother? God knew exactly where he was. And he's, he's giving an invitation for confession here. Remember what the, the question he asked Adam and Eve, where he says, you know, where are you? He knew where they were. Sounds familiar though, right? And he says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? First of all, that's a lie. And he's bearing the fruit of his father, which we just said, uh, because his works were evil. He's of the wicked one from 1 John, what we just looked at. Uh, he's lying to God. Uh we can't do that. It's never going to work. Never going to get away with it. The Lord knows. Um, he's bearing the fruit of his father, uh, the father of lies, and that's Satan. And we can't lie to God. And his response shows no remorse. He's killed his brother. He's spilled his own brother's blood. And he knows he's guilty, but he doesn't have any re regret for it. You guys ever watched you know, any of these shows like, uh, like the first 48 or something where you know, a crime's been committed and they bring the person in and they're like, nope, have no idea. You know, and they even catch the person. They're like, yeah, I've seen pictures and mugshots, even in the news this week. Guy's smiling. He just killed a, a woman and four children. He's smiling in his mugshot. No regret in his heart at all. Awful. Am I my, he says, am I my brother's keeper? Which is to say, am I the one responsible for keeping him? Yes. Yes, you are. He's your little brother. He's your younger brother. Uh, no matter, for the rest of your life, your job, I've, I've got a little sister. She's 40 now. And it's still my responsibility to, she's got a husband, great husband, loves her. I, I love them to pieces. She's still my little sister. And, uh, you know, nobody messes with my little sister, you know, and he's supposed to have that. So uh, he's supposed to be protecting and mentoring. God asks, what have you done? That, that's that, that question. You know, it's, it's similar to, uh, like we just said, you know, have you eaten of the tree? Giving, giving the exam, the, the opportunity uh, for confession. I need to wrap this up pretty quickly. The blood of Abel cries out uh, to God from the ground. And life is carried uh, throughout the body, uh, throughout our body, in our blood, right? We have the, the oxygen carried through our blood to where it needs to go, and the white blood cells and red blood cells and 
all the other cells and stuff like you guys know I'm not a scientist, an awful student in high school. Uh, but everything that we need, water, everything is, is carried through our, our, our bodies, uh, through our blood. We don't have blood in there. The blood represents life. So God knew of the murder that Cain had committed, and I uh, started to confront him. And here's his sentence. I'm going to fly through this as quick as I can. Verse 11 says, So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Sure, surely uh, you have driven me out this day uh, from the face of the ground. Uh, I shall be hidden uh, from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond uh, on the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord said, therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. So the Lord declares in the sentence of Cain, as he's, he says, you're, you're, you're cursed from the earth. Your brother's blood uh, that was spilled from your hand uh, has, has been uh, the, the earth has opened up its mouth and uh, your, your brother's blood has been spilt on it. And uh, your work will be cursed and you're no longer going to be welcome anywhere. His parents, their parents were cast out of paradise, right? Now he's being cast even further away from them. And he, it, what it says, what the Lord's telling him, he's going to be cursed and he'll never be welcomed anywhere. He's going to roam the earth and never be settled. It's opposite of the Christian. We're strangers here on earth. You know, we're not supposed to be too familiar with with the ways of this world that 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 everybody look at our lives and go, oh, it's no different than anybody else. See, he's tipping back all the beers and smoking the weed and he's doing whatever, just like everybody else. And we're supposed to, we're called to be different, but we're also called to be pilgrims and have a mindset that we're passing through this earth and ready to get to heaven. What's on the other end? So he's cast away from his family. <clears throat> and I, what we see here is... is I, Cain's devastated by all of this. And what's happening here is what he just did negatively changed everything for everybody in his family. Abel's no longer going to be there for the Thanksgiving feast, you know, Christmas time. We all know that didn't happen yet. But, uh, but those things that, that, they, that he would have been a part of. So now he's fearing retribution and he can no longer be with his family. And his, you know, his, his parents and and uh, God protects him with a special mark. We don't know what the mark was, but we know it's there, and that's God's grace. Because what did Cain deserve? Hell and death. He should have been killed for what he did. God's grace, sending him out, and God still protecting him, still protecting him. God moves him and protects him while still punishing him. We're going to stop there. Uh, I hoped to get through the whole chapter. Uh, but it is 7.30, and um, you know I've still got three, four more pages to go. So we're going to stop there, and we'll pick up uh, next week. We're not, in a, we're not in a race just to get through this and say, ha, we did it. You know, we want to, we want to spend the time to study what we need to. Uh, what we see here, the, 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 biggest, uh, the biggest thing that I can encourage us as Christians, anybody who has submitted your, your life to Christ and, and accepted him as your Savior because you knew we needed one, is to understand the seriousness of sin and not try to keep sin tucked away somewhere in our lives. Oh, you know what? I can hide this right here. You know, nobody can see this. You know, God saw right into, into Cain's heart and says, hey, there's sin in your heart and it wants to destroy your life. He does the same for us. Forsake that sin. Don't give any, any take every thought into captivity and the obedience of Christ, right? Bring it in to our minds and say, you know what? The scripture says I shouldn't do that. If we have to do that all day, do it all day, because the next day and into the whatever it is, just continue steadfast in His Word and in prayer. You need somebody to help hold you accountable. Find a mature Christian who's not going to be out there gossiping, and and, and we should never be out there saying, "Hey, yeah, this person asked me to pray for me. Why don't they ask me to pray for him for?" Him for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're really struggling with lust, pride, envy, whatever it may be. Glad I'm not. <laughs> right? No, but, but be, be, uh, be praying 
for our loved ones that we know are going through these things. As we can share, and we could even bring them all the way to Genesis 4 and say, hey, I just I want I want to show you uh, what happened in Cain's life when he didn't listen to the voice of the Lord and how it changed his life and it changed his family and it took his brother's life. I don't want that for your life. Instead of getting the name of a Bible thumper at work or whatever and just just condemning everybody, share the love of Christ and share that we have freedom in Him as we turn away from whatever it is and we can be redeemed and we can be changed. That's what should be on our hearts. So let us take that with us as we go. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you love us and uh, that you explain it to us. So God, just to see the warning uh, that you gave Cain. And Lord, that we can see that and understand the seriousness of sin and that we'd give no place for it. And that we would share uh, the freedom from sin with all those around us that you open a doorway for us to share. Lord, help us to, to not be... Uh, condemning to anybody, Lord, but willing to to share your love and, and to share how uh, how that sin is so deadly to uh, whoever you may be uh, using us to minister to. Whatever it is, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and through us and that we would be obedient to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.